0: an Old Virginia Smoke podcast. I'm your host, Luke Darnell. It's time to interview another one of the greats, David Bosca with Butcher Barbecue. David is a multiple world champion and one of the most successful barbecue product producers in the world. His injections can be found in just about every barbecue cook site out there. Lots of great info here, lots of great stories, and lots of learning. So please join me in welcoming David Bosca. The Barbecue League is the ultimate barbecue experience. Here's why: one small annual investment from you instantly unlocks all 70 plus tell-all recipes, enthusiast recipes, restaurant tours, and more in their unmatched library. This isn't your typical YouTube type content. World champions like Gettin Basted, Shake and Bake Barbecue, Heavy Smoke Barbecue, La Pasadita Barbecue, and 913 Barbecue share their full tell-all recipes. No secret is left unsaid. And a new video release is guaranteed every single week of your membership. You'll also see unfiltered looks from all levels of Pitmasters during their live competition coverage. And those same Pitmasters are accessible through the league's upbeat online community. As soon as you sign up, you'll also have a full arsenal of some of the best discounts in barbecue from brands like Snake River Farms, Blues Hog, Big Papa Smokers, Gunter Wilhelm, Gateway Drum Smokers, and more. The Barbecue League puts on members-only contests throughout the year, hosts live and virtual events, and offers full-access League Lounge at participating events. Listeners to this podcast can receive $10 off of the $100 annual membership this month only by using the code JULYPITMASTER, all in caps, on thebarbecueleague.com. So, I advise you to do this. It's been a great help to me and a lot of people out there. There is no better $100 spent on barbecue right now than the Barbecue League. So, July Pitmaster on thebarbecueleague.com. Well, we're here today with David Bosca from Butcher Barbecue. How are you doing, my friend? We are doing wonderful. It is an honor to have you on this podcast. As someone who also has a barbecue podcast, but also as one of the most successful competition barbecue cooks and businessmen that have ever been around so thank you very much for agreeing to be on
1: oh i'm honored to to sit and talk with anybody but you know talking bar- barbecue never gets old so I, I appreciate you giving me a call it just keeps me from having to put salt and pepper in a bottle and throwing it down the road for now i get to do something different
0: <laughs> Well, I like to dive in on some, you know, the way people cook and how some of their their habits and some of their superstitions and some of their best practices, because I think that it, it really helps a lot of the newer teams that are out there competing to understand the mindset that goes into doing competition barbecue. And that's one thing that I've always been impressed uh, by you, whether it's watching you on TV or actually uh, watching you cook at at some of the events that we've done together is that you have a very, very extreme level of focus. How did you develop that?
1: <laughs> call it focus, call it OCD. I, I, I mean, there's multiple names for it. <laughs> <laughs> it. It's, it's because I do understand. And I, I, I do believe that if you change one element, anything, you may not recognize the results until it's done. Mm-hmm. Uh, My family's a drag racing family. Um, I shoot archery, but like in the drag racing world, if you want to just increase your ET times or you say your 60 foot mark, whatever, you can't change the gap in your spark plugs. You can't change uh, the air pressure in your tires or retard the tuning, the timing on it and know what fixed it. So that's the process I, I took to barbecue. And I can't change brands of meat. I can't change my injection. I can't change quicker wrapping times or later wrapping times and do it all at once without understanding the end result. So when I would do a test a long, long time ago, let's say I was just trying to find out the best time to wrap. I I understood the science of the meat because that's what we do. But for cooking barbecue, I, I had to wrap at certain times. Then I had to change my temperatures, wrap at certain times, change my temperatures and see what temperature and what timing worked best for what I was trying to accomplish down the road, just mm-hmm. because it seemed like a good time to wrap. That didn't mean it turned out right. Cause sometimes on ribs, let's just take ribs, you know, that outer surface, you don't, you think it's the perfect time to wrap a rib, but until you're done, sometimes you get a little leathery, outside feel on it and it it, it, and that's just because you almost went it's it's a couple things that i figured out you wrapped a little late or you had too much airflow or heat prior to wrapping and just that surface was drying out before the rest of the meat could even start to get done so there's multiple things that so to answer your question my process works for me and i want to follow it Um, so that, that's, that's it. I I think it all stems from doing a lot of tests and understanding the results.
0: Absolutely. And that's the number one piece of advice that I give to a lot of new cooks is, you know, you have got to practice and you've got to understand what you're doing and why you're doing it. Because if you're just going to go out and cook a contest and throw it all together, you have no control over what's going to happen. That's right. I yeah. agree. Absolutely. What do you think was the biggest turning point in your life as a pit master?
1: Realizing there was contest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I would say the first world championships in 2012, mm-hmm. uh, we won the world food championships, the barbecue division of it. And you always want to believe that your barbecue can stand with the best. And then in, after you win not a state championship, but that top level like that, you then realized, hey, you got something here. And so that was really it. We'd Mm -hmm. already been selling our products and other folks was doing real well with it. We was doing well with it. But till you hit that benchmark, man, I think that was probably it. Cause that, that does elevate you to a new world.
0: Right. And you have to, you have to think differently. I think once you, once you've hit that level, I think, I think it changes your mindset, right? In terms of, what you can accomplish and how you can move forward.
1: Oh, absolutely. It does. Funny story with that was we was cooking in Las Vegas and they took the top 10 teams from where they were doing awards, pulled them out front on Las Vegas Boulevard out on the main strip and started (laughs) announcing the top 10 starting with 10 going down and you know, you're sitting there listening and we knew we had some good calls, but that is it. That's all we knew. Mm -hmm. And they started listing them all the way down and they got down to two and they named the reserve grand and both my brothers were just beating heck out of my back going, Oh my God, you did it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? That was only third place. And I did not put it. I didn't realize it. They had to tell me, no dude, you're the only, no, no, no. That was second place. That was third place right there. And I'm not kidding. It was absolutely crazy to, To have won it and not even realize it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I had a very similar experience at World Food Championships, too, the year that we won. Mike McLeod started off with, and now the surprise of the evening. And I was like, well, there's no way I was going to win that. (laughs) Same thing. They kept going down. And, you know, the look on my face when they called our name, it was, and it's still something that I'll always remember. And it's just such a great moment. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned OCD earlier is your competition planning the week before a contest, the same every week.
1: I mean, we're talking just like that TV show groundhog day. (laughs) I set my briskets out of the freezer at the right time, the pork butts. And then Saturday evening, the ribs come out. I've already purchased thighs. I go to the, I go and buy the thighs at the stores. But Sunday morning, I start trimming the meat up. We re-vacuum pack it and get that all done. I get my injections made, sauces back into the bottles. And if I have to, if we just got back from a contest on Saturday, then I start cleaning the trailer and getting the grates re and, and getting that all done. Monday morning or Monday, I don't have a lot to do. Tuesday, I go to the grocery store and I buy my lettuce and my parsley. Mm-hmm. Wednesday. There's not a lot going on again. I usually I finalize anything I need, but Thursday I make boxes, um, get ice, get all that purchased. And then the deep freeze hook up my trailer Friday. I set meat out again for the next week. The the briskets and the pork butts, we go to the con- I mean, and it's a circle nonstop and that's just how I've always done it. I trim my meat at a certain time or a certain day and mm-hmm. yeah, we just go with it.
0: I think it's really important to establish those routines, establish those routines. It's to develop that consistency. You got to do the same thing. I think week in and week out. Now I know a lot of people are successful that do it whenever they can or whenever they get to it, or, you know, the nightmare scenario for me is trimming meat at a contest. I still can't believe that there's guys out there that do that. <laughs> yeah.
1: The way I look at it with the rituals, the routines, the practice, whatever you want to call it, is it is military style. I was never in the military, but for their soldiers to be at whatever level, they practice the same thing every single time. They go through the same routine. If it's just as simple as marching or Gosh, I I am spitballing here, but you know what I'm saying? Anything that they do, it's a routine and it's done and it that's in in it's it's bred into their habits and it's subconsciously done at that point. That's how I, I like to look at my, my competition. And when I go to the competitions, I get set up, I get my injections sitting on the counters, I pre-do my countertop. I've got where I'm going to inject. I got my pan with the liners. I got paper towels pulled down. I do the same thing all the way through turn ins. I get everything prepped. And then at noon, I get started on injecting and getting all that done. Um, nine o'clock, I put rubs on. We fit, do that. I, I mean, I do the same process even through turn-ins. If I know I'm going to need one to two paper towels for chickens, we have that there. I pull the paper towel down. I rip it almost all the way off so I can grab it real fast and simple. We use two knives to put our, our chicken in a box. Those are sitting there ready and it's just a quick process. But I think the biggest thing it is, it's taught me is if I'm off in any set up any element any anything i know it before it gets there so i don't have a surprise during the times that i need it um like chicken hey as i'm going to sauce chicken like every step right at the end of it i'm staged as soon as i'm finished one i clean up and i get the get the table ready for the next stage and it's completely done and i follow through it i said okay, i'm gonna grab this i'm gonna do this i'm gonna grab my sauce oh where's my sauce brush i get my sauce brush and i have it ready that way i'm not doing it while the food's sitting on the table I go right. through a, a process.
0: Yeah. Wow. Let's dive deeper into this, into your psyche. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm already learning a lot, man. Like I thought, and I'm not an OCD person by trade. I am uh, if you ask my wife, I am all over the place, but the only time that uh, I am OCD is when I'm in the barbecue trailer and having all of those things done because that's what I've learned. Now, do you have any other? Do you have superstitious routines and stuff that no. you have to do every contest? Other no, just
1: timing. But no, I, I don't. I don't have anything superstitious. We used to ha- eat a ham and pimento cheese sandwich for lunch, and I hate to say that it, it wasn't superstition. But if you're with me on this, you understand where I'm going here. You're living in Portageons for about 48 hours. The last thing you want is some spicy Mexican food sitting on your stomach overnight. Okay, that's See correct. Where I'm going? We're going to leave your podcast nice and clean there. So we eat real <laughs> neutral at a contest. <laughs>
0: right, right.
1: It's not superstition, but we used to, it was ham and pimento cheese. We left it at that.
0: So you could actually say that you're your process is probably your superstition
1: okay i i I can go with that yeah
0: that's that's kind of where i've fallen with myself in that you know one of the things that i learned from tuffy stone was that he pulls all of his foil at the same time that he's going to need that day and it's something that i never thought about in terms of here I am, I'm getting ready to wrap pork and or brisket. And then I got to go back to the foil and wrap the pork why don't do it all at the same time. And I know that it's done. And that was one of the biggest learnings I had in coming up was if you can do it early, do it. And that way it keeps your mind clear to focus on the meat. There's a, yeah,
1: I I do a lot of that. I don't pull all my foil at once. The things that gets me is, you know, I got, facial hair and body hair i i'm just scared <laughs> that something's going to be on that foil three hours oh, later so I. Point. but so what i do is like i guess if i know my next step is rib wrapping i'll get all six sheets of the uh, foil pulled and it's sitting there with my brown sugar with the butter with that and i get my pam spray because i spray my grates so i put foil underneath my grate so i don't have to clean my table i get all that set up And then when it's done, I clean up. And if it's brisket and butts, which we wrap them at the same time. Mm -hmm. So we do have them stacked up in the order we want them. But now I don't pull it all first thing in the morning, and get it all done and out of the way. I don't, I'm not one of them. I'm not OCD
0: (laughs) crazy. (laughs) I'm going to tell Tuffy, you said that
1: (laughs) Hey, I I, I texted him this morning. Go for it. (laughs) Are you a music guy when you're cooking? I mean, I, the acoustics in my meat market sound a lot better than inside my trailer. So my singing is not as loud. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't listen to music or anything. I, I just not, never have been one of them, but.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Let's, let's switch modes here a little bit and let's talk about, um, investments and things and, and tools that we use in competition barbecue, What's one of the best or most worthwhile investments that you've ever made in competition barbecue?
1: My cookers. I think if you don't trust in what you're going to cook on or the product you're going to get out of it, then you need to continue test cooking or jump into another world. Yep. But I definitely believe in the pellet cookers
0: we use. Yeah. And those are, those are great and they're very consistent. And I think they've also, they've come a long way, especially in the past five to 10 years in terms of there's a lot of great brands and a lot of great cookers out there that, and I think it's making barbecue more accessible to people that aren't on the competition trail.
1: Yeah. I've been, I still use uh, the fast eddies by cook stack, the pellet cookers made, it, mm-hmm. made in main city. I, the very first smoker, the FEC 100, the very first one I took to a cook off, I still cook on. I have had oh. to change the controller because it went out of date. It was, 18 years old, 15 years old, whatever. And it wasn't working anymore. I've added to the arsenal. I've had a second one and I've mm-hmm. got one of the pellet grills, but I still cook on the very same cooker we took to the very first cook off. Cause I remember always thinking when we were going out all time, first two, or three contests, every time we'd go to someone would have a new cooker. I got this over the winter time. I've been playing with this. Great. Y'all keep changing. We'll, 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 we'll be right here <laughs> doing what we do. I always enjoyed doing that.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a fun thing to, when you hear people, Oh, I just got a, got a new cooker this week. Thought I'd bring it out and cook chicken on it. I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> yep. Good luck. That's
1: what I do you want a beer. <laughs> no. <laughs> yep.
0: <laughs> so cookers, that's a big expense. Do you have any purchases of a hundred dollars or less that has, that have, I mean, this is the kind of stuff that, you know, anybody can go out and get, and it's really going to, improve their their competition barbecue life
1: i think the next biggest thing other than obvious spices injections sauces that stuff but i think the next biggest purchase is make sure you have the right tools as far as knives night great knives will make your trimming easier make your slicing easier ultimately from there again from the beginning all the way to the end your box presentation will be better.
0: I, I agree with that. It's, it's really hard. I was at a contest this weekend in West Virginia and there was a new team cooking behind us, they were cooking backyard and I was watching them trying to trim some ribs and it really, it hurt me cause I felt like they were going to hurt themselves with the yeah. knife they were trying to use. And yeah, yeah it was, it was hard.
1: i I would definitely say it would it it would have to be knives the second well it next one would have been over a hundred dollars but yeah for under a hundred dollars i would definitely say knives or something like that
0: yeah what's your next one
1: my trailer itself yeah um in 2000 i think it was 2011 i think i bought a gooseneck trailer and man that's the best purchase i ever made yeah
0: Being comfortable really does have its perks.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I've got sleeping in it, but we don't have any running water because I didn't, I'm not vending. I'm not doing anything like that. We didn't want a a toiletry, just two guys hanging out in it. You know, we can run to the port of John. I don't have a a wife in there doing that. She stays home and takes care of the farm. But Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I just, yeah, I think a trailer would have been the next, next big one.
0: What kind of, to go back to the knives a little bit. What kind of knives do you use?
1: I like Forshner's, RH Forshner knives. My trimming knives are a six inch semi stiff curve, poly handle knife. That's mm-hmm. what I've used for, oh my gosh, 30 some years in the meat business. I'm just so comfortable maneuvering it and then uh, slice. And I, I got one of their beef slicers for oh, okay. slicing briskets and pork and stuff like that. But yeah, and in the meat shops, we always use their knives. I, I played with Dexter's for a while, but, and, but I, I'm not a big fan of the high carbon that they've got gotten their steel. Um, so I've always just stuck with, uh, Fortuners.
0: right on there. And there's a lot of great knives out there and it's really comes down to what you're comfortable with and, and how much you can afford. I have a Vitronox, uh, chef's knife that I bought probably 15 years ago and I got it for like 40 bucks and it has just been It's been my best knife that I've had in that, especially I don't take it comps, but in the house, I mean, I just, I think you can really, if you do the right research, you can find the right things for you.
1: It's the same knife. Fortuner and Victor Knox is the same company. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Um, Yeah. What it was, Victor Knox is the overseas brand and it's Swiss army. And when they came to the United States, they started to start branding it as Fortuner. Or vice it. versa. It's one of the two. I, I don't remember how it rolled, but it's the same Victor Knox, um, Forstner's the same company. So you're, you're, you're using the same brand I've got. Yeah.
0: There we go. Awesome.
1: Or vice versa. <laughs> I'm using the same you got.
0: <laughs> awesome. That's, that's fun. And one of the things I like to talk about on here, cause we all have love to tell our success stories and, and how good we are, but I like to talk about failures and failures where, where you learn something, not, at a competition that really helped you moving forward. Do you have any favorite failures of yours? Yes. I've got,
1: I want to start with a testing failure and then get to a competition failure. One of my testing failures I was doing was our grill uh, product was started out as an injection. And when I was uh, testing with it, I was injecting our chicken and we were sitting at the house, we cooked it, and the wife and I were sitting there tasting it and checking it, and I was playing with everything that you can imagine in a product, and we was using beet sugar in it instead of regular sugar, and it was actually had uh, beet juice in with it also, oh. okay? Well, you know what the color of a beet is? It looks red, you know, it's quite bloody looking. And the inside of that chicken stayed red and bloody with the beet juice. And it was hard knowing it was cooked to 200 degrees, biting into it and it just be red and red juices dripping. I thought, well, failure number one, you got to take beet juice out of your injection. (laughs) Nobody would want to eat a bloody looking chicken. That was one failure. And another one was, I was playing with some sausage spices that we put into another line of products that we have. And I actually had some garlic that was in it. That was a real green color. It was Mm -hmm. just really unique, but I really liked the punginess of it. And I thought, well, hell, I'm going to inject some uh, pork with that. Just see what it does just to get a quick flavor with it. Well, it turned it green. I mean, we're (laughs) talking just as green as you can imagine. (laughs) So lessons learned on what you're putting in your meat, definitely test cook with it. But as far as competitions, I was cooking out in Garden City, Kansas several years ago, six, seven years ago, maybe eight. I'm not sure. And I was cooking solo and I remember we got to my chicken first turn in and I was picking up chicken. There was this one thigh that was just blown up huge giant and by George, i wanted that in the box i just knew it was full of juices and I, I i used toothpicks at the time to hold my skin in place and i pulled out the toothpick and, oh and it come out just halfway oh so i reached down i grabbed the other side and I pulled it out and put it together okay we're good pulled it out and kept going well you know 20 minutes later i got a
0: and it oh was boy. the wrap
1: i the very center of that toothpick was broke off in it uh-huh. um so even though i did all i could do yeah we ended up getting dq'd for that there's no doubt about it and i'm going to tell you for a year year and a half i was i was a uh, shell shock and every time i'd hear a, a golf cart or something <laughs> or someone would knock on my door in between turn-ins i'd freak the heck out oh my god oh my god i was i was bad i was real bad and but the lesson learned was i went to metal skewers and i never had to do that again right took care of the wooden toothpicks i now use metal skewers and that's done so that's (laughs) the biggest oops i ever did in a contest
0: and that's it's so funny when we're we're on our trailer and You see a rep out walking around during turn-ins. You're like, you better keep walking, buddy. Yeah. That was actually
1: a double weekend. We picked up from one town and drove 20 minutes south and did another contest for Saturday, Sunday. Yeah.
0: Oh, man.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. And then we got to um, turn-ins. We was going through it again. And on chicken, I got a knock and I went, what? Who is this? And I opened the door and there was the rep. And I went, oh, no, 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 no. And he came to me and he told me, he says, dude, your chicken was raw. He says it was undercooked. And I said, there's no way in hell. I said, let me see. And that's when they just start taking pictures. And he showed it to me. I, I looked at it. I'm like, that's not my chicken. He said, yes, sir. It sure was. I said, no, you know, how you know what your your meat looks like or finished product. And I looked at it and said, that is not my chicken. That's not how mine looks. That's not my chicken. he said, yes, it was. The table captain said it was this number and that's yours, blah, blah. And I was pissed then. I mean, I was furious, mad the very next day. I was kicking gravel mad. I, I in between that and ribs, I was walking around kicking gravel outside. I was furious and I had decided I'll, I'll beat this system. I went back in and you remember the old TV show, the pit masters all, um, yeah. Jamie gear decided that he was going to take care of them judges and he was going to put cayenne pepper on. Well, I decided I was going to Jamie gear my ribs. I was done with this contest. There's no way that, and I'd, And I stopped and I thought to myself, that's not the way to be. So I didn't do it. And I thought, just, you know, you're out on chicken again, let's just go for points. And that's what I decided to do. And I turned in my ribs. Um, and the, the rep, I just turned them in I turned around and walked. And then I went to turn my pork in and he went to say something and I walked off. I was still upset. I walked off to go get brisket done. And in between pork and brisket, I got another knock. Oh, went, oh <laughs> hell no. Open the door. There was the rap. And I went, what? <laughs> and he says, I, I, he says, I come on bent knees. And I, what do you mean? He said, that was not your chicken. Excuse me. He says, I want you to know the table captain made a mistake on the number, told us the wrong number. Oh my, your chicken was judged and we got it in the score. I said, the only, I said, you're you're serious. He said, yeah. I said, the only thing I ask is, did my chicken get judged in the proper timing as everybody says, he said, yes, it did. I says, I'm good. No big, no big deal on me then. But I about messed up my ribs thinking my chicken was screwed up. Right.
0: (laughs) And this all happened in the same weekend. Yes, sir. Oh my gosh! Yes, sir. So, man, I'll tell you what. One thing that we do, um, we take pictures of every box before it leaves a trailer.
1: I, I something I don't get into is, I, I don't know. I just never. The only I, I'm reason taking a few. The only reason
0: we do it is for that exact situation, is yeah. if they come back and say, "Hey, your chicken, you only had five pieces in the box," and I can just pull up my phone and be like, "This was my box." Yeah. You know, you have proof that it's, (laughs) and I I forget why I started doing that. Somebody told me to do that. So we, I literally have a picture of every box I've ever turned in.
1: See, I don't, but it was just like that. You know, I remember looking at that chicken thigh and it was a super deep, dark red, beautiful mahogany look. Mine is a little lighter in color. And I, and when I looked at it, I'm like, that's not my chicken. Yeah. I know he thought I was being defensive, but I was being sincere as just explaining to him. That's not my chicken. And oh, it sure was. And and we both learned lessons, and that's what he had told me. He's like, look, I learned a lesson before I go talk to a team. I'm going to double check everything on my end before I mess up your day. Right. And I'm like, well, I learned something too. I learned not to put too much spice on my ribs for a finishing dust because I didn't do it, but thank God I didn't do it. Right, Um, (laughs) and come to find out, uh, a guy out of Colorado backdraft. It was his chicken. He got DQ'd, and he was. We was teasing after the contest, going, "I wish it had just been one of the two of us, and not both of us this weekend." But, (laughs) but, yeah, yeah. Big lesson was just that right there is keep calm, take a deep breath, evaluate very quickly the the win method. What's important now? Well. Keeping your head straight, knowing your final outcome is what's important. Don't, don't knee jerk reaction.
0: What's important now? That'll probably be the name of this episode. That's <laughs> that's a that's I, great.
1: That's that's what I used to do in the meat markets. Is you know, the way I always explain to people, meat business is very circumstantial. And you can say this with barbecue and about half the other world. But the more circumstances you've been in, the more you know what to do. So you evaluate every minute on the minute, every hour on the hour, every day on the day, what's important now. So you, you, you build a list, your to-do list, basically what's important Mm -hmm. now. That's at number one, you know, in an hour that might fall to number three and number, number five is now what's important now. So it's a, it's a win method is what we used to always call it. What's important now, but it's, but it's the circumstances, knowing what to do at a certain time to make your final outcome proper. Yeah.
0: Wow. My team's not going to enjoy seeing that on the wall of the trailer in a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. yep. Oh man. I can't wait to put it up. Have you ever had a breaking point moment that made you almost quit competition barbecue?
1: No, not quit competition barbecue. I love just cooking and uh, Friday nights gathering around and the, the awards is the final deal, but, let me tell you that the rest of it is what's important to me. I, I really, really like just socializing and socializing and visiting with people. You know, we, everybody goes through slumps and, and I would say a, if you go through a long slump, that'll sure make you question what you're doing. And it really makes you wonder if your process is, is what it should be. But as far as something overwhelming, no, I, I, I've had some really great moments in barbecue that outweigh anything else. We have met some lifelong friends in this world and will continue to be it. The travels that barbecue has allowed me and my brother and my wife and my family, my mom and dad, the, the total travels that we've been able to get out of this, even my boy, um, is something I never would have had if I would just been standing in my meat market, cutting meat all day long. You know, there's a couple things that come to mind that, to me, that other people have done that makes me proud to be in this. And one of them, you know, there's a huge contest coming up this fall that takes a lot of flack from a lot of teams, and that's the American Royal, okay? Mm-hmm. They catch it all. But I want to tell you a scenario that they did for me that put them on the top pedestal for me for a long time coming couple years ago it was a tuesday the week of the american royal my meat was trimmed okay i i had just gotten back from going and getting lettuce and stuff on that tuesday because i was going to make boxes early since it was a double header and we were going to leave on thursday okay Mm -hmm. so tuesday evening my dad passed okay Mm -hmm. wednesday we called american royal and just let him know hey folks I'm not going to make it for obvious reasons. And I explained why. And all I asked of them was, can you hold my spot for next year? Cause we had a wonderful spot. We were a minute from turning up, Okay. Mm-hmm. And there we are with everything going on in life. I'm worried about my barbecue spot for the American Royal, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just asked him, I said, y'all got a lot going on. I got a lot going on. And it was all done on an email. And well, first I called to just say we weren't making it and then talked to the right lady. Anyway, email process the next week after things were settling for both of us. And I emailed them and told them, hey, I don't remember who it was I spoke with and laid the scenario out. They emailed me back within a couple of days and says, mm-hmm. yes, it was me. The lady said, it was me you spoke with and says, we are... They were apologetic and sympathetic for everything that had happened. And they said, you know, we cannot give credit back for your Portageon because it was rented, it was on site, and your electric because it was all it was ran and it's there. But they gave me a coupon code to where the 2020 I could you I could have it to pay for my space.
0: Oh, wow. Was that
1: not phenomenal?
0: That's I, I phenomenal. Mean,
1: I didn't ask for that, I, I did not. But they stepped up and says, we're taking care of one of our teams. And I was, I was like, that is awesome. Well, then you know what happened last year? The year I used the coupon to sign up, COVID hit. we didn't get to use
0: it. <laughs> didn't get to use it.
1: <laughs> they sent me an email this year and says, we redid your coupon. You can reuse it. I didn't, I didn't call them. Didn't I just was ready to pay for it. They turned around and sent me a new coupon code.
0: That's fantastic.
1: For two years back. That's right those little things is, is what I want to live up to be also, you know, in this world, they went above and beyond. And I I would have to go back and look and see who that lady was. But I'm telling you what, the American Royal stepped up and did civically and, and sympathetically what I wish that everybody else would
0: do too. Absolutely. That's a great story. Uh, And then that's, you know, I, I will always cherish that places because the American Royal as where it's, I think that's where you and I met first, uh, was at the American, I call it being trapped in a barbecue snow globe for four days. It is.
1: (laughs) I've not heard that. I like that.
0: I mean, you're in there and everything and anything that's barbecue is in there. And anyone you talk to loves the sport just as much as you do. And it, it really in, I told my team, this was before 29 before the 2019 Royal I, I texted them and I said hey we're signed up for the Royal and they were like well we're not qualified for the invitational so why are we going and I said because I don't ever want to miss this regardless of whether we're qualified for the invitational or or not it's just something that I never ever want to miss and and that'll be true for as long as I do this
1: Yep that we i agree and i think it's really great for new teams that haven't got to go go for the year get that deer in the headlight look out of your way and remember it's still a contest right and that's what i tell people about the jack all the time go before you get in walk around see what it is go help another team do whatever because come friday evening there's still a lot going on for the festival but it's still a contest. You better be following your program. That's right. what it boils down to. So yeah, if you're going or a new team wants to go to the world, go get it out of the way, look at everything, attend it, but remember what you're there for.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice. We were the, the uh, team behind us this, uh, this past weekend in West Virginia, they won their first GC and uh, it's always exciting when someone does that. And they were just two of the great, greatest guys uh, that we, we've been around in a while. And I got back there to the trailer and I looked at him. I was like, you better, uh, I don't know which Royal this gets you signed up for, but I hope you guys go. And they were like, oh, we're hundred percent going. Good. Uh, so yeah, that is a big shout out to Alia. Congratulations on your guys' first GC. You guys are fantastic people. And we just had a blast with you this weekend. <laughs> I normally don't ever do that, but I can't illustrate enough how much fun I had meeting them. Um, they were just, but just great guys. Got a few more questions here. And these are things that I'm really interested in you because you're the answer to a lot of these questions from other guests. And so was, I'm interested to hear your answers and, and who has impacted your life the most in competition barbecue?
1: For the longest time, I stayed right here in Oklahoma and did a lot of cooking. And I've said this many times. There is a handful of guys here in Oklahoma that I look up to continue to look up to, and will always look up to, and I'm going to give him a shout out. It's, I mean, Mark Clark with twin Oaks smoking out of Stillwater, mm-hmm. Oklahoma. He was cooking when I got in it. He is slowly slowed down now, but he's still a, a great cook. And I guarantee you he'll wax anybody. If you turn you back on him long enough, he will be there. <laughs> Donnie Teal with uh, um, Buffalo's barbecue man, the man's been cooking well over 30 years. He's still cooking and still doing 20, 25, 30 contests a year. He is just, he's a machine. Paul shoddy, um, was with head country too. um, Mm -hmm. passed away last year, but Paul shoddy was a really good friend of mine. And I remember it was, I was probably cooking five years. And I remember Paul coming into my trailer and saying, hey, he had a question about what barbecue sauce was was out there a lot right now. And he left, and I turned and looked at Martin, my brother, and I said, oh my God, Paul's asking me about what sauce I'm using. I was, dude, I was blown away. I was honored, totally honored. (laughs) Yes. Here in Oklahoma, um, Joe Davidson, he he, he had just kind of stepped back a little bit out of the cooking, but he was big in the business a lot. So the first three absolutely the highlights and and people that I look up to in this. Um, and, and then there's, there's, I'm going to say peer level two, you got Stuart Powell with cook shack, Mm -hmm. Ed Marr and fast Eddie. Um, and then that's probably where Joe would come into it. But when it comes to cooking, those are, those are probably the ones that, that taught me a lot in, in how to do this. I, I remember them helping me read my study, my, my score sheets and how to, go through them and, and, and read in between the lines and all that. Just, just so much there that those guys have just got world of experience.
0: That's great. That's a lot of names that I need to do some research on and potentially have on the show.
1: Oh, I, I tell you what, um, Bart and Donnie both would be fun to have on your show. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I've already interviewed Donnie. And it was probably okay. it was probably one of my favorite hours of doing this. Um, <laughs> that guy, <laughs> yeah, he has an entire list of gas station foods that he has to have, <laughs> and they're absolutely the worst things in the world. Like, I don't know if you've ever had a Tijuana Mama, but I went and got I went and got one. Oh, yeah, I'm so sorry. <laughs> And I, I called him. I'm like, Donnie, dude, come on, man. You don't really eat these, do you?
1: Yes, he does. I've seen them yes. at the contest. They are the... If people don't know what they are, I'm going to say, look at the size of your thumb. They are right. a vinegar-flavored hot link. That's about... And and, and like mush and texture. I, I mean, I don't get it. I don't understand it. But the only thing that's worse than them are pickled eggs. I...
0: And I can even stomach a pickled egg. I think I could take a pickled egg more than a Tijuana mama. Oh,
1: I'm with you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, that, since we're talking about food, do you have any favorite uh, pre post, or during competition meals?
1: Well, if I don't need a ham and pimento cheese, it's just going to be something real simple. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just chunks of cheese and, and crackers or something. But after a contest, if I'm, Traveling, and we're going to stay to stay in a hotel overnight or something. Uh, probably pizza. I don't, and and I don't mind good Mexican food
0: afterwards.
1: But just not during those two. <laughs> yeah, just not daring.
0: <laughs> What's the most surprising thing to come out of competition barbecue for you? A livelihood. Yeah. yeah, that's that's simple. I would have never have thought
1: that I'd own these. I own a couple of warehouses here, and employ people that ship products with butcher barbecue logos on it. It's just, it's just phenomenal to me to think that,
0: yeah. It's, and it's amazing. The range of products that you've come out with and it is amazing, the range. And it's especially amazing to me, knowing the process and you know, the testing that you go through to do it. That's absolutely, I think just, just legendary in my mind. It's amazing.
1: well, I appreciate that. Thank you. There is a ton of work in it. And as I said, through COVID, I didn't want to become irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And so we stayed and we got harder and heavier into so much different things. And it's showing this year, we, we've got a whole line of stuff and that that we've had that we've introduced that was all due to sitting around too long
0: last year. And I have a, yes there's a lot of similarities in our story i released my first barbecue sauce during covid and really just because i was bored and i needed something to do so uh, it would have been easier just take
1: your money and throw in the in, in this blue sky sometimes you think isn't
0: it? a little bit yeah um people <laughs> people tell you all the time you know they're they're like oh you should um do this and i'm like you know there's not a lot of you're not going to get rich off of putting a barbecue sauce in the world. And, uh, it's a lot of work and, but it's very rewarding. Once you see it and you get the product and you give it to people and, and they're super happy with it. And I mean, I, I know as someone that uses a lot of your products in our trailer that, uh, we really do appreciate all the hard work and effort that you've put into it.
1: Well, thank you. And you know what the hardest thing is for us to keep the product itself consistent. Yeah, there really is. Um, everything, the packaging down, um, especially for the last, um, 16 months. Um, but we have done such strides and, and making sure that we can stay and take like our injections in that square canister. You don't realize how hard that's been to get those.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Packaging, shipping, everything has been a challenge over the past year and a half.
1: Yeah. So kudos for coming out with something. That's all I'm going to tell you. <laughs>
0: So, if you had to give a piece of advice to a smart, young cook who's about to enter the world of championship barbecue, what what advice would you give to them?
1: Take up table tennis.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You just saved somebody 50 grand right there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, go in ready to enjoy life, but always have an open book. A year later, two years later, ten years later, barbecue evolves just like we evolve, just like cooking evolves. There's, there was one gentleman several years ago was down in Florida, and he'd won his first grand champion at his very first contest he ever went to. He called me. I was using your stuff all oh my, just blown away. He went probably two years before he ever got a reserve again, and we stayed in touch. And he was probably three four years into cooking he'd started winning again after his first one and his job was going to take him away from barbecue he worked for the post office and he was having to move out of state and he was the position he was taking there was no time he mm-hmm. was scared that he was going to lose his edge in competition barbecue and i explained to him that barbecue is not it work it's not computers. it's not electronics go out and get sophisticated a better level you know it's not Mm -hmm. that if you know how to cook how to run a fire and how to how to to apply spices properly and have a merry to the sauce you'll be just fine in five years that doesn't change the type of flavors will change absolutely but mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing is don't get discouraged. If I'm telling someone's coming into this world, I would definitely say learn to cook the meat properly before you decide that rubs no good or that sauce is no good. Make sure you have given every possible Avenue that your process and your meat is good before you want to change it and do wholesale changes. That's one of the worst things you can do. But if you right. want to get into the business, man, it's a wide open business. How much time do you want to dedicate to it? All the way down to, I I think competition guys evolve just like yourself. They want to get into either catering or a food truck. They take the next step, you know, pipe dream, man, I'd like to do a restaurant someday. Well, it it's, if you can't cook meat properly, one, two briskets at a time, how do you expect to cook five or six for catering? How do you plan mm-hmm. on cooking twenty, thirty for a restaurant and the, the evolution goes up. So start right now and perfect your pit mastering skills before you go to the next level.
0: Yeah. That's a great piece of advice. That's you have to, you have to cook it right before you start worrying about flavor profiles and things like yeah. that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, now we're my favorite part of the program, David. Okay the rapid fire questions. Oh, oh I like these. I, I do these something are,
1: similar myself.
0: These are great. What do you see on, a, what do you see about barbecue on social media that upsets or bothers you?
1: Oh, I've got this juicy brisket and I'm squeezing it and watching all this <laughs> fat between the layers ooze out and to think that they're showing people the juices in the meat and all they're doing is squeezing fat that drives that. That's my pet peeve. Quit squeezing your brisket. The, quit squeezing the fat on your brisket to show how much juice is not in your brisket slice. <laughs> and I've got one other on that one. Quit okay. showing me your brisket over your finger. That doesn't tell me it's tender. How does it chew and how does it bite? That's tender.
0: <laughs> I've also never, I've never understood the post of the brisket over the finger. I've never, I'm like, that's okay, cool. i just i don't get it i don't get it we share that one what is i already asked the i already asked the meals question what's your favorite present that you like to give to people
1: present Mm -hmm. like barbecue present or kids or any gift do you have a
0: common gift that you give to people
1: i don't have a common gift other than a handshake and if I shake their hand, I'm going to be a friend forever for them if, till they do me do me or my family wrong. I don't really know of a gift. Uh, yeah.
0: I, I give people underwear. So Underwear? Underwear, yeah.
1: Interesting there. <laughs> now, can I throw rapid fire at you? Sure.
0: How did that get started? So, okay, I've been a fan of this particular brand of underwear for a long time. It's called uh, MeUndies.com. And they're just, they're soft, they're <laughs> moisture wicking. You never have any of those problems that you can associate with moisture and underwear during a barbecue contest. And I like, you know, I would meet somebody that I'd wanted to meet for a long time and became friends with them. So I'd send them a pair of underwear and, uh, it kind of turned into a thing. Like I would you know, I I've sent at least 20 guys, a pair of underwear now all those guys are fans of that underwear too so it's uh (laughs) it's just really weird yeah yeah yeah, okay maybe we'll have an offline conversation about your size and style (laughs) (laughs)
1: let's
0: keep it offline (laughs) absolutely don't want 40 (laughs) pairs of underwear showing up at your house (laughs) Uh, if you can have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it getting a message out to millions or billions, what would it say? And why? Man, I hate to be
1: so generic and coin, but you know, I just like being friends with people. Um, if there could be something simple as, as that, like I said, shake a hand, um, help someone out. Uh, don't get me wrong. I, I work hard for what I got, but I want to, I, I like teaching and helping people. So maybe something that lines, but I, I don't know. I've, I've never really thought much about it. Uh go have fun. Um there you go. That's I do cherry I do cherish the time I've got with my mom now. Uh my brothers. Um we're all getting old and you don't realize it until you get old that things are limited now. So hug yeah. hug everybody and and be friends with them because you don't want to be mad at them.
0: Right. And that time is super important. You bet um, it is. I, I won this past weekend and it's the first time that I won with my dad there. Awesome. Awesome. And, uh, I, I'll remember it forever. You know, that's, right. and that, that's something that you can't ever replace. And, yep. um, it's something I've always wanted to do. So, and yeah, you saying that really, really hits home for me. All right. I, week, I, I, so. I'll tell you this.
1: You got, got time for just a real quick oh, story. Absolutely. Okay. My dad, um, used to come love him and mom would come out and go to the local contest and sit around and we'd always go out and hand him a rib, having him chicken, hand him the brisket and, Dad's thing was always ribs. He loved ribs. And we talked about a gentleman earlier, Donnie. Mm -hmm. And Donnie and dad got along real well. And I didn't realize this until after dad had passed. Donnie was telling me this story. I never knew this till after uh-huh. Daddy had passed. Okay. Uh-huh. I'd give Daddy a rib. Oh, that that's a good rib. Or, or he was he was my best critic because he would tell me, pretty, because he would tell me that's not as good before it's this or it's that. He was very critical. He 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 judged me like I would want someone to say, oh, that's great rib, and it'd be sucking. Okay. Yeah. I always <laughs> went to Donnie and would eat Donnie's rib too. All right after he passed Donnie come to him and he told me this story. He says, you know, your dad used to come over and get a rib from me. Yeah. I, I remember him telling me that. He said, yeah, he used to come over and if he liked it, he'd say, you know, that's better days, but don't tell him. <laughs> <laughs> he would never tell. He'd always say, you got a better rib than Dave does. <laughs> My boy, you got a better rib. And oh, Donnie told me that. And I cracked. I never knew that. So the, the, the little things that you need to remember and uh, that go on a billboard you, you, realize you don't realize what you miss.
0: Yeah. That, that's amazing. That's a great story. Yeah. And that's, yeah. I can see Donnie telling that story. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, David, I want to thank you for being on here with me. It has been truly an honor. Um, can you tell people where they can find you online? It's pretty easy. Sure. Absolutely. We definitely got
1: a Facebook page for butcher barbecue. I've got one for personal for David Bosca we've got pinterest we've got instagram it's all butcher barbecue we've got a twitter page too but i'm gonna tell you i i'm not a twitter person um <laughs> but it, the website is www.butcherbbqbutcherbarbecue.com.
0: excellent excellent well i look forward to seeing you here in the ne- uh, next month or so probably out in kansas city sounds good man i appreciate your phone all call right.
1: and thanks for being a friend
0: absolutely buddy i look forward to catching up
1: Hey, you bet. I look forward to a package I get in about 10 days. That's going (laughs) to (laughs) happen.
0: All right. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Take care, bud.
0: Thank you for listening to Pitmaster, an old Virginia smoke podcast. Be sure to subscribe and like the podcast, rate the podcast and share it out with all your friends. Also, be sure to check out the Old Virginia Smoke YouTube channel as well. We will have another episode for you next week. For companies interested in advertising, please contact Old Virginia Smoke directly via www.oldvirginiasmoke.com. Pitmaster and Old Virginia Smoke Podcast is edited by Chris Zdenko. Pitmaster and Old Virginia Smoke Podcast is a property of Old Virginia Smoke, LLC. All rights reserved. Copyright 2021. OBS Old Virginia Smoke Old